0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. Dave Karate Martino is here. <laughs> I'm back. Yeah, are you <laughs> my way is... through? Are you recovered? Are you, are you settled down now? Are you kind of... Yeah, I'm pretty good. You yeah, know,
1: I'm getting old, you know, it's just, you know.
0: Be a bad time. <laughs> you know how it is. Uh, well, yeah, I certainly do. <laughs> I've been old for a long time. I've been old before people were old. though. Yeah. Terrible. And uh, so I was walking the dog again today. I'm starting to put them on Instagram, eh? And, uh, oh, I've missed out. Uh, yeah, no, it's all right. Not a big deal. I walk my little dog, and, and I show people my neighbor. Like today, I was like... Uh, Because across the street is the guy that owns Skinny Jeans. Okay. This is big, big mansion. So. Oh. I I filmed. I put that on Instagram. You know. I'm gonna have to check. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. This is one of five of his homes. Wow. You know. I always say that I don't understand it because when he's here for a couple of weeks a year, in the summer, he just kind of runs around the area, you know, and he's got the perfect body with the tattoos and the teeth and. He's, he's young looking and uh, got all these fancy cars and big houses. He's wearing skinny jeans. Oh God no. Well <laughs> <No? laughs> But you I could to probably them. I was gonna say and that's what I said in the video, you know, I, he'd probably give me a whole stack of them, but I don't <laughs> think I'd fit in them, right? <laughs> I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't feel comfortable in them either. But you know. Somebody's gotta do that. Why don't that's you right. do that? Me? Do karate jeans. They have those. They used to. Really? With a gusset.
1: Yeah, so you can kick. Or kicking jeans. Chuck gusset. Norris used to advertise them. Oh, I thought that was always a joke. No, no, no. That was that's was true. This uh, they have a joke where they they make them they they photoshop it so they're cut-offs.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, no, that gusset was real. I never had those jeans, but I know people who did. What kind of because is that gusset? Gusset. Yeah, gusset so that you could uh, stretch out more. Sounds like it's it's a stunt. Because you might have to kick. Injustice. You're walking yeah. around the
0: neighborhood. You might have to kick. Well, it happens know. to me every day, right? I mean, I'm being right. attacked by the mob. I have to kick. You have to kick. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, so uh, let's let's. What have we got going on today? So we have got an author with us today. His latest book is called uh, Sunset and Jericho, a Wakeland novel. So all the way from the great white north, we have Mr.
2: Sam Weeb. So thank you for being here, Sam. Oh, thanks for having me, uh, Al. Appreciate it. And uh, I don't know how great and white it is, but uh, I'm definitely up here. Just, yep.
0: just, you want people to believe it's really cold and lots of <laughs> snow and all. You don't
2: want Americans coming
0: up there. What are you thinking?
2: I think if they realized that um, it's basically just Seattle with uh, a different money, they'd, uh, they'd freak out a bit. It's a clean Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'll get the hay mail. Don't
0: worry about it. For a Dave, <laughs> yes. the he always he always does it to me. <laughs> Ford's a- yeah, he can deal with it. But um, well, so uh, how did you uh, get into this this fancy lifestyle? Like you're a big time writer, and uh, in the city of Vancouver, and and doing well. Um, tell us about your writing history. How did you get into writing?
2: Well, I always wanted to be a writer, which I'm sure everybody says, and uh, about about when I was going to college, I just realized that if I didn't put up or shut up, if, if I didn't just write a book and, you know, if it sucked, it sucked, uh, you know, I'd regret it. So I wrote one, and indeed it did suck, and then I wrote one that sucked a little bit less, and uh, that one ended up getting published, and... Um, Shortly after that, I started uh, the first book in this this series about a, a Vancouver PI named Dave Wakeland.
0: So, but what what gave you the confidence to actually put it out there and try to get published? You know, people can read it and see it. Uh, there's a difference between thinking, "Oh, I can write," and you can
2: even write, but to actually start submitting it and trying to get it published. Well, I read Stephen King's on writing and other books about uh, the craft, but I also remember in um, in an American Lit class, we watched an interview with Robert Frost. And one of the things he said, and this is a little pretentious, but he said, um, you have to start on insufficient knowledge. And that really impressed me that, you know, even even the greats are basically making it up as they go. So you just have to, you know, put your stuff out there and accumulate rejections. And, you know, there really are no shortcuts to that process. Um, and you just, you learn from getting those those rejection Well,
1: what inspired you to uh, move towards crime fiction as opposed to any other genre
2: I mean as a kid I read everything I mean I loved uh, westerns and uh, literary fiction and I mean you know any sort of potboiler bestseller but uh, I remember I remember being about 18 or 20 and just looking at my bookshelf in my my room and thinking wow most of these are crime novels you know there's a lot of Elmer Leonard a lot of Robert B. Parker and uh, Ian Rankin, and I, I hadn't really set out to become a mystery fan, but I guess I was one. And and really the same process repeated with writing. I tried writing the you know overwrought teen uh, and and early twenties guy um, you know literary fiction, and it was just not. It wasn't me, it wasn't my voice, and it wasn't what I wanted to talk about. Um, But the second I started writing crime fiction, it felt like a really good fit. Because it's a little bit literary, it's a little bit genre, and it allows you to write about real subjects, but in a way that I think think readers respond to. They're not on guard about... about, uh, about social issues and things like that
0: so what is it about the crime mystery area that um, is enticing to you to actually write in and and how, how hard-boiled do you get in your mysteries
2: well I, I think I, I think crime fiction is about guilt and it's about death and those are very universal subjects to people. I I feel like my books are pretty realistic. Some people have called them hard-boiled and some people have objected to the violence, but um, I, I just try to be honest with that stuff and with the consequences of violence. So, um, you know, I, I, really, I really took a lot of inspiration from the Chandlers and James Crumley and Walter Mosley and people like that, but... Um, you know i also don't want to write about the 1930s i want them to be very contemporary i just try to balance that and uh, err on the side of realism so how do you, how conscious are you of
0: the violence and the even the sex that you write or do you, because i mean today's today's world of course there's a lot of sensitivities and and uh, triggers as they call it and things like that are you are you thinking of that when you write these or do you just write how you how it feels and you don't, you don't really kind of take that into consideration.
2: Well, it's not something I think about as I'm writing. Uh, like I said, like I just try to write realistically. But um, yeah, I mean, th- those are things that I think about afterwards and when I'm, uh, you know, presenting the work to other people. But I think crime fiction itself is kind of a, you know, it it already is kind of a trigger warning. It's a genre that looks at those parts of society that we're a little uncomfortable with and where you know people have desires and thoughts and, and things that are a little a little dark and uncomfortable so i think i think most fans know going in that crime fiction is you know it, it gets into things that are a little subversive and i think that that's also one of the appeals that you get to look at those things within within a a, a nice genre framework that's um you know, that has an ending and a, a, a solution at the end.
0: So now your, your main character, your, your um, let's say, investigator in the book, how much of you goes into that person, or where do you get that, that character from?
2: Well, I've, I've described Wakeland as the millennial Jim Rockford. I mean, a lot of it comes from, you know, just my reading and watching in the genre. I love the Rockford Files. I love, uh, you know, Chandler and uh, Philip Marlowe. Um and especially Ross McDonald. I, I love the Lou Archer series. So there's definitely an influence uh from those. Uh, but there are certain things that uh that Wakeland faces that I've also faced. Um you know, he's he's around my age, so he's you know, in his in his uh late thirties now. Um and he's someone who's gone through some of the you know some of the problems that Vancouver and I think uh, North America have faced, like the housing crisis, uh, you know, he sees evidence of the, uh, you know, fentanyl and overdosing any time he walks out of his door. so things like that uh, are definitely drawn from real life. and And I should admit that his sense of humor is definitely just mine.
0: So in essence, you're trying to capture the the way the world is or what's going on now in Vancouver and, and incorporate it into this. so what 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 was enticing to you with Rockford files and stuff like that? Is it because of his imperfection, James Rockford's, like the struggles he had and the things that were, let's say, wrong about him?
2: Yeah, and the fact that he's sort of in between. I mean, he's not a he's not a criminal, um, but he's also not working for the authorities. So he's this this very strange neither nor position. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think Garner as an actor is just amazing. Um, And and he does his own driving and stunts and stuff in the in the show. But um, yeah, I I just like the fact that he was somebody who was always on the side of the underdog. You know, he was always tr- trying to do the right thing, often failing or, you know, having things not work out the way he wanted. But, um, yeah, there's something very endearing about somebody who's just going to go out there and, and, you know, try to do the right thing. Right. So what makes a good book for you? Like when you,
0: what what stops and you kind of go, this is good, I really like this?
2: Well, I think the voice and the character are really important, um, and I think plot is the other one that, uh, that, that really matters. Um, the voice is usually the thing that I, I grab onto first, and then it's about the situation that the characters find themselves in, but about at the halfway point, if there isn't something happening, and if it doesn't seem realistic, if things are happening too easily, or if somebody's... Uh, you know, a, a series of coincidences are working out in the guy's favor. That's that's usually where I start uh, throwing the book across the room.
0: I should get back to your characters and to how do you have a, what kind of relationship do you have your, with your characters? Um, how do you see them or how do you experience them?
2: Well, I I think of Wakeland as, uh, uh, I mean, it's a voice that uh, I can draw on and uh, a way to sort of look at the city and, um, and what's going on in the world. Um, but, you know, I... I've always heard that writers will say things like, oh, the book just wrote itself. It's like, man, I wish this book would write itself. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. Um, and it, it entails a lot of revision to get the voice right. Um, I, I really want the book to be smooth and easy to read and then to also have some substance to it. And that's, that's a really tough uh, balance to strike. Well, speaking of voice, do you have... Because I've, I've read
1: that... You know, as much as 50% of people don't have an internal dialogue. So I always like to ask, do you have an internal dialogue, an internal monologue? Can you hear Dave Wakeland and your other characters? um, Or do you create voice and
2: dialogue some other way? Um, It's definitely more of a dialogue. I can hear him uh, pretty clear, I would say. With the other characters, no, they don't sound like him. Uh, You know, often they're drawn from people I know or, you know, just certain certain ways that people will talk but but dave's is pretty consistent he will he will modulate a little bit in terms of if he's talking to somebody who's uh you know well educated he might get a little bit gruff just to bring something out of them or or vice versa but um yeah his voice is very internal internally consistent to me
1: does uh does dave wakeland does he ever um does he ever surprise you as you're writing, does he ever go off the rails? Does he, does he uh, just take the plot and go somewhere else?
2: Yeah, sometimes I'll I'll find that um, you know I'll write something that is a very true statement from his point of view, and it will just not be it'll not be what I expected or what I thought. So at the beginning of Sunset in Jericho, um, the mayor's brother is missing, and the brother is set up as this very kind of ne'er do well. Um, you know, kind of somebody like born wealthy and, you know, has had a real easy ride of things. And this guy's gone missing, and Dave is almost contemptuous of this case. He actually turns it down at first because he just doesn't want to work for, for a rich guy. He can't summon up the, uh, the the empathy that he needs to to dive into that guy's world, and that that kind of surprised me. I mean, he as a character, it seemed really. You know what happens when the detective doesn't want to investigate the case that you've created for them but um so that was a little bit uh frustrating and I had to go back and think yes like in his position, given what he's gone through, that's not the kind of case that he would you know latch onto and say, yes, I have to solve this no matter what." So then the trick was finding a way to naturally have him forced to investigate and look for this uh this missing uh, brother of the mayor. Are you ever killing
0: people off that you know? <laughs> do, you, do you come across people that you you don't like or even ones that are just out in the street and you meet someone and they cut you off in traffic or do something? Do you take people that um, are bad people, let's say, or you don't like and put them in bad places in your book?
2: You know, I, I don't know if I even want to admit this, but <laughs> yes, there is there's somebody in this book that's um, a very bad thing befalls them and the reason it befalls them is because in their job their um they didn't cut someone else a break when they could have and it's it was just one of those things of they you know they messed with the wrong person on the wrong day and yes that that exact thing happened to me and i went away steaming thinking oh you know if i was if i was a little bit more of a you know if i wasn't such a coward or if i wasn't uh smart enough not to get involved in this, boy, I would, uh, I would do something to them. So, yes, that, that has happened.
0: We have them on the other line right now. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I hear that a lot. So that's why, in, in a way, a good thing about fiction is you can, you can also resolve the story how you want it. Like, you can sort of get some sort of justice where I know in true crime,
2: you, you know, it is what it is. So that's a big, yeah, yeah it's a big advantage. But it's also uh, a problem because once you start writing and if you're trying to be honest about it and, and true to the character, you have to start seeing something from their point of view. And then you end up with this weird thing of, well, you know, I started out wanting to put this person in just out of, you know, vindictiveness, but now I kind of understand where they're coming from. And maybe it was a terrible day that, that they were having too, and... uh you know, it's it's uh, it certainly doesn't make it easy.
0: This is, this is interesting. So when you're doing a series with a character like that, do you have some sort of a reference or what they call a Bible or some sort of thing to keep track of of your characters that you use, not only just uh, your main character, Wakeland, but the other people?
2: Yeah, I, I wish I did. Uh, the publishers started to create one for me, uh, which is great. But, um, you know, at, at the beginning, like with the very first book, Invisible Dead, I had nothing planned. I knew that Wakeland was going to be one half of uh, an investigative firm so Wakeland and Chen investigations and security and his partner Jeff Chen would be the security guy, the business guy, sort of the uh, like the Steve Jobs of their partnership and then Wakeland would be more of the the Wozniak like the kind of a little bit crazy, a little bit uh, you know out of the corporate mold. Uh, half of their partnership, you know that that was just really where it started, and then both of those characters have grown. And uh, Dave's half sister Kay has become uh, an apprentice at the firm, so you know she's had her own arc over the uh, the books, and she she plays quite an important part in uh, Sunset and Jericho. But with the other characters, I've sort of I, I've sort of just let them drift in and out. So some books uh, they don't show up, and then you know we'll see them a few. A few books down the series, and they've changed. And you know that—that that was what really grabbed me about doing a series: is just watching the characters change. And uh, some of the people that seem really down and out actually manage to figure things out and save themselves. And then, you know, bad stuff happens to the characters that you like, also, which uh, you know can be really interesting.
0: So do you know? Like, how how is your process of of writing a, a book, and especially in a series? Or are you kind of pre-planned? Do you know how it's going to begin and kind of the main scope of what happens and then the ending ahead of time and then you fill it in? Or do you just um, write as you go?
2: You know, the the worst thing is is that I don't feel after four books that I have any sort of standard process. It's always different. It's always way more of a pain in the ass than I than I expected. You know, usually what I start with is some sort of scene or some sort of scenario. So with this book, it was the idea of having the mayor's brother and this other young man who both uh, go missing and and turn up murdered. And, you know, just the dichotomy of having a very rich character and a very poor character and having the resources of the city all going to this, this one guy and this other guy getting very little and Wakelin realizing that the two cases are connected. That was really what I had to to start with. Um, But, you know, drafting and then revising and adding things and figuring out the subplots, I mean, it's just, it's such a, it always seems like I've got a good handle on the story, and then by the time I get close to the end, I'm just kicking myself thinking, oh, you didn't think (laughs) this out at all. And sometimes it takes multiple drafts to, uh, to, to resolve that. Well, I was going to
1: ask that with revising. Um, it, what's your editing process like? Do you wait to go through the full first draft and then go back and edit, or, or do you edit as you go as well?
2: Well, I write by hand, and then I type it into the, uh, the computer as I go. So that allows me to fine-tune the, the prose a little bit as I'm going. And then afterwards I'll print out a version of the book and go through it with a red pen and uh and retype it. So it's it's a little bit slow and painstaking, but I feel like that that really makes me uh it makes me care about each sentence and each paragraph uh, a lot more than if I just wrote it straight into the computer.
0: Where do you see yourself going? Like how many books will you do in a series do you think or do you have kind of a uh, for, for kind of shadowing, or do, how does that work for you?
2: Well, part of me would love to do the series forever, and another part feels like ten would be a good number. Um, one of my favorite series is the uh, the Martin Beck novels by um, a, a pair of Scandinavian authors named Sjöwal and Wachlu. Um I'm sure I butchered that pronunciation. But, um, you know, when I wrote Sunset in Jericho, I actually didn't know if the series is going to continue um you know without giving anything away it really comes down to a, a a real cliffhanger for wakeland uh where he is with the city where he is with his his firm and uh i i just i'm not sure exactly where the series is going to go from here and t- to me that's really the most exciting thing is um you know, it's, it's not the kind of series that just resets at the end of each book. I mean, he grows as a character. So I don't, I don't know where it's going to go. But I, I love the character, and I love writing about the Pacific Northwest. So I'm going to continue to do that uh, as long as I can.
1: Well, how much research does it take to do one of these books? Do
2: you have to really get into it, or can you just use your imagination? It takes a lot of research. Um, and there are definitely things that I make up. You know, with the the book that came out before this, Helen Gone, I mean, I wrote, uh, it was about a robbery, so I ended up talking to some bank robbers and um, emailing with a guy who'd served time for, for robbery in the 80s and, um, you know, talking to, to cops and lawyers and things like that. Um, and then also just reading the news and trying to get a handle on what's going on in the city. Uh, and some of that is just stuff that you absorb... Uh, you know, living living here and having to pay rent or you know buy a house and you know some of the scandals around um, the housing crisis and uh, you know money laundering and things like that. So the, those kind of things kind of seep into the book as well. But it's it's generally a lot of research. Yeah,
1: It seems like a lot of uh, very similar, at least to uh, to true crime. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> I was thinking about. <laughs> well how many
2: years did you serve in jail for robbing the bank? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's more fun than uh true crime, I think but um you know it it's uh yeah it's a lot of it, it's a lot of uh of work i mean it's it's also just stuff that I would do anyway because i I find it fascinating.
0: And so so what came first was it um, the character the story or the location and and is there a kind of a way that you do that as well with each book or is it is it different each time
2: Well with this book I already had the character um, but it was it was just this idea that politically there was something going on in the city that it really felt like um class warfare was going to break out at any moment it felt like the rich and the poor had uh you know w- weren't even speaking to each other anymore that politics had kind of gone into this very uh you know divided place and uh, um, and, and i think globally there's there, there's a lot of that too but um but i think just on a city level it, it was like nobody can afford to live in any major American city anymore, North American city. And I think Vancouver is just a microcosm of that. It's so expensive, and people don't seem to care about that. But that is one of those things that comes home to roost. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's a ticking time bomb. So in the book, there are characters that have grown so frustrated with the city that they're willing to use violence to get people to listen to them. And... You know, that, that is something that I, I felt very strongly at the time. And, and I think it's only grown grown stronger, that, um, you know, if you don't kind of listen to that, then it uh, it's going to turn around and bite you in the ass. I like being bitten in the, in the <laughs> ass. But well, it depends on who's doing it. Yeah, and, and how hard they're biting. Right? Yes.
0: So is there a serious subtext you kind of have, like when you're talking about such subjects, and they're kind of the baseline of the story, or um, they're going on while the story happens with your characters. Is there a meaning you want people to take out of the book besides the entertainment of the story?
2: Yeah, it's it's um, it's a tough thing to talk about because, and I feel sometimes I talk too much about the social issues and, and that aspect, but. Um, I think, you know, if they can get one thing out of the books, I think it's just a damn fun crime novel. I think it's well-written, and it's a quick read, and I think Wakeland's a pretty good character. Um, but there are definitely serious things that I'm drawing on, and I, I do hope that, um, you know, I don't want people to take a message from the books, but I, I would like it if they can see elements of their own life in these books. I don't think that there have been a lot of uh, crime novels written about people In this you know the generation that I'm part of that have really captured you know what it feels like to not be able to afford a house or to not do as well as your parents are going to do and um, you know I I think that people identify with that and and older readers too, where they see like yeah my son's going through that or my daughter's going through that so I I think that that's definitely something that I'm uh,
0: cognizant of how do you get into the mindset of writing the uh, bad characters, the evil ones in the book, the ones that do bad things, um, the ones that you want to be, uh, you know, the bank robbers or the say or something like that. How do you get into the head or the personality in order to write that?
2: The scariest of those people to me are the ones that are the most relatable, where they're drawing from, you know, some slight or some perceived slight that uh, I, couldn't, I could imagine myself going through too. So like I was talking about with the the character that I added in, I mean, thinking about, you know, what would motivate me to do this, or if I was a slightly different person, what would motivate me to take action like that? Um, You know, that's sort of how I try to approach it. You know, the violence can be really, really um, difficult to write, but I also think that, um, you know, when you get that right, you get a really strong reaction from the reader. So that's... That's what I try to go for.
0: Yeah, it depends on, the, on on how evil you're
2: making them too, right? And it's and it's also just the tone. I mean, if you read like a Jack Reacher book, um, you know Lee Child will have Reacher kick the the butt of you know twelve people at once, and there generally aren't consequences. Um, you know, in this book, when Wicklinton goes up against a group of people, it's uh, you know he takes quite a beating, and he he also has to be Incredibly resourceful to survive that, and it's it was one of the most disturbing scenes that I've written, and uh, oddly enough, it's the one that people have pointed out uh, liking the most. So what do I know? Well, listen, when you write a disturbing scene
1: like that, I'm just I'm just wondering, do you need to take time off to decompress, to relax, uh, to, to get away from? Uh, the prose, or is that something that you can just kind of slough off and, and, and keep writing?
2: No, it, it definitely affects me. And then also thinking about what, what do you write after that? Um, so in this scene in the book, um, you know, D- Dave is kind of ambushed in the parkage or the parking lot below his, uh, his, his office building. And he knows there's no way out. And so he does something absolutely desperate to the, uh, to, to the leader of this group and then loses consciousness himself. So right after that scene, there is a white page in the book just to re- um, represent, you know, that he, he's out of it. Um, and, and I definitely had to take a little bit of time just to be like, okay, where is this going? Because you can't really segue from that into, uh, well, I woke up the next morning and made <laughs> coffee, and, uh, you know, everything was great. And, uh, boy, my head sure hurt. Um, you know, the consequences are pretty pretty dire for the characters. Um, I I always become happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess. Um, so are you going to you going to explore out and do other types of writing or you think you're this is who you are? That's it.
2: Well, I've um I've got another book in the works that's a standalone and uh, hopefully that'll come out next year at some point. Um I just really love crime fiction. That's really what I want to do. And um, I've written this series about Vancouver and in the private eye, you know, detective uh, vein. But I love, you know, like the heist novels and more of the Elmore Leonard kind of thing. And I really love the um, uh, the Robert B. Parker, Jesse B. Stone books that he did, um, which are just about a small town chief of police. So I'd, I'd like to write something like that that's a little bit less... A, a little bit less fraught, and not quite in my, my backyard, so to speak, but um, I I feel like I'm a crime fiction person through and through, and I might do a little bit of historical writing at some point or non-fiction, but um, I don't know, I don't think there's anything to be ashamed with of just saying, like, yeah, this is the genre I like, and this is the way I look at the world, and want to discuss it.
0: Well, yeah, and you, you've committed so many crimes in your life, it's good to kind of Work it out through your books. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, you write write what you know. You're right. Now, the criminal underworld element of of stuff like Vancouver and that, I, I how, how do you tackle something like that without um, getting, um, let's say, bad feedback, or you know, getting it right, and at the same time, not getting people after you. <laughs>
2: Yeah, funny story. There's a recurring character in the series named Terry Rhodes, who's the leader of a biker gang. And, um, I heard from a friend of a friend that someone in kind of a similar organization had read the book, um, the the very first book, Invisible Dead, and actually really enjoyed it, but thought that the biker gang character was, was a little unrealistic, um, so I think that that's uh, that, that's kind of a sign that um, you know it's it's in the right place. Uh, I, I try to write realistically about the um, the criminal circumstances, but you know I'm not writing about any specific real person. So also, I don't think a lot of gangsters read crime novels anyway. they're, they're probably uh, I don't know reading legal books trying to get out of jail or <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, well, we actually have a Vancouver gangster on the other line.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's going to uh, say something. No, well, I, I think it's just tough. No, but I'm just thinking that if you kind of get the feel, like each each city kind of has their own feel for what kind of underground, as we would say, crime is, is kind of going on or, or what it's suspected of being behind and and stuff like that I do you watch that closely or are you kind of
2: No, I watch it closely and and Vancouver has quite a few interesting wrinkles to their organized crime world I mean one thing is that it's very international there's a lot of um, you know transnational money laundering and things like that a lot of people park uh, their money in real estate here um, which has driven up real estate prices you know higher than San Francisco's and um, the other very weird thing is that the gangs tend to be multiracial. So unlike, you know, back when the, you know, gangs were all German or Irish or Sicilian uh, or whatever, it's um a lot of the younger gangsters, especially in the suburbs around Vancouver, are just kind of the guys that they went to karate school with or the guys they, you know, hung out with on the corner. So it, it tends to be actually quite... um yeah, quite a quite multicultural. As strange as that sounds. Yeah, yeah. Dave, Dave knows about
0: that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's a Friday schoolboy. You know, he's yeah, nothing a, but gangs and it's all it's all uh, gangs, bad language. You know. yeah. <laughs> now, Vancouver has a large Asian community, uh, much more so than most other cities. Actually, any other city I've been to, even San Francisco. Um, do, you, do you bring that element into the book as well?
2: Yeah, Vancouver has one of the oldest Chinatowns in North America. And um, it, it's also one of the places where um, when the handover of Hong Kong happened, uh, right before that there was a real exodus of um, people from Taiwan and Hong Kong uh, coming in. And um, during the pandemic there was just a whole rash of anti-Asian you know, hate crimes and people blaming them for COVID and all sorts of horrible stuff. So I try to bring all of that stuff in. Um, you know, D- Dave is somebody who grew up like me in a very multicultural city and, um, you know, his partner Jeff is, uh, is from China originally. And, um, yeah, I think it's important to represent the city honestly and to include them. And and that means also including, uh, you know, Chinese, uh, you know, criminals and stuff. But, but, you know, the majority of people are pretty, pretty above board. So also not, not stigmatizing them. I mean, it's a tough line to walk, but, um, I, I just want the books to feel authentically Vancouver. Yeah, it's changed quite a bit over, over the years, but it's um it, it's just a fascinating city to me. I mean, even with the the Olympics there in 2008, I mean, it's uh, like just how that changed the city is very um as somebody who grew up here, um, you know, it used to be kind of like a small town. I mean, it was a mill town. And then, you know, now it's not only multicultural and and very wealthy, but, but uh it's become a little colder too. So there's, there's very few of us who are born here who still, uh, you know, still hang on. Well, and, and so how do you choose what, what parts or what topics you're
0: going to have out of the city into your book? Like what are you going to include? What events? There's a lot of stuff that goes on in that city and has over the years. Um, do, is it something that you per- feel personal about or is it just something that comes up randomly?
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't talk about everything, but... Um, usually something will just jump out at me. And, you know, with Sunset and Jericho, it was just the gulf between rich and poor. And um, I I think also the way that the mayor and the police and the sort of antagonism between them wasn't really serving anyone either. So those are things that I think just lent themselves to be included in the book because they're, they're connected to the story that I wanted to tell. Um, but I'll definitely also work in, um, you know, just locations and places that I like, places I like to go drinking, um, places that, uh, that I remember from childhood. Uh, um, you know, I, I try to, um, live up to that idea that Ian Rankin has, that, uh, the best tour guide you can get for a city is a book, uh, a crime novel from that city.
0: Yeah. Location can be
2: really important. And and to really get the feel
0: for it, I guess there, there also there's a lot of overdoses and drugs and stuff. Does that influence your writing as well?
2: Yeah, I mean Vancouver had the first uh, supervised injection site in North America and was kind of the leader in the harm reduction movement. Um, but what happened is that as soon as fentanyl became cheap enough and uh, widespread enough, you have you know. Hundreds of people overdosing every year, so it's it's a heartbreaking thing where the um you know the the city kind of had a way to uh to, to to fix that or to at least um you know keep things from getting worse. And then the actual drug supply changed, and now it's you know just a, a, a nightmare for everybody.
0: So so let's talk about where people can find Sam. Like, are you on social media a lot? Do you have a website? Uh, where do people find Sam?
2: Well, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, but uh, my my preferred place right now is uh, my website, which is samweave.com, and then I just started a, a newsletter at uh, samweave.substack.com, and um, I'll post reviews of old, um, you know, crime novels and things that I'm doing, and uh, you know, little interviews and things like that there. So that's that's probably the best place they can uh, they can get in t- contact with me. Well, fantastic. We'll have that up
0: on the website as well, of course. Now, our guest has been Sam Weeb, and the book that he's uh, talking about, his latest book, Sunset in Jericho. It's a Wakeland novel.
2: Thank you for being here, Sam. My pleasure, Al. Thank you so much, Dave, and uh, have a great day. Thanks, Sam. You've been listening
0: to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts,
1: or shows, go to www. House of Mystery that's come. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me?
0: Yeah. Good night. This is me, the production of something weird media. I'll be back.